This is the Five Point Play Podcast, and your home of Duke UNC. Mm-hmm. Here we go, UNC. It's that time well, of year again. It's it Christmas is. time. It is Christmas time, and we have a lot to get to. <laughs> we have two guests this week because it's UNC Duke week. And I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase that: Duke UNC week. Yeah, got it. Because we always go first. But I do want to give a big shout out to a guy that in the Duke UNC lore probably won't ever get the credit that he deserves. But Derek Thornton, he mm-hmm. made that huge play. When we beat UNC, we had no business beating them. And uh-huh. then again, he took Cole, he took care of Cole Anthony Saturday that was night. Beautiful, man. So I, I mean, I don't know what it is about Derek Thornton, but he knows what to do when it comes to going to UNC. He's 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 undefeated there. He is he is two and zero. He probably should have transferred there. He probably would have left his college career as a. I hate this word, but the winningest college basketball player of all time because he cannot lose in the nose dome, man. He just, it, it, it's amazing. It's like that play was almost the exact same, outside of it being, you know, 15 feet away from what it was before. It's almost the exact same defensive stop he had against Joel Berry, man. It was awesome. I loved yeah, every right? second of that. It was beautiful. Yeah. What What is it about his defense, by the way, that, you know, just like Carolina point guards can't handle it? <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. It's it, whatever it is. It's great. It's brilliant. It's great. And and Roy cannot get rid of Derek Thornton fast enough in his life. All right. So we had a couple games that we're going to touch on. Um, you know, the pick game, and you know, we can all obviously talk about how the game went. But mm-hmm. I think what we're going to touch on first is Coach K's reaction to the mm-hmm. to, to the camera crazies. Um, and you'll hear guys in our conversations with. Both guys this week, we touch on a little bit of what's going on with the fans. But, AC, I want to hear from your perspective. What was your overall take from Coach K's reaction to the Tamer Crazies? Well, I'm I'm sure emotions were high for him. What what a hell of a week everyone has had, especially everyone in the Duke program, essentially. And it, it's it was twofold. It was it was the week that was going on on top of the the crazies have been awful for the past two or three weeks yeah. and since they've come back from is. the break. They've been terrible, and there's no sugarcoating it. And I'm sure that Kay was trying to find a way to light a fire in them somehow, and his opportunity came when it looked like from across the floor when you really can't hear you know, exactly what's being said, and you see the, the fans pointing and gesturing towards the coach at the opposite bench, and that coach also happens to be one of your former players, one of your former coaches, one of your best friends. Yeah, uh, I, I don't doubt that he reacted the way he did off the cuff. And then when it turns out that he was wrong, what did he do? He did what any normal, insane person would do, which is he apologized. And he really he did it twice. He didn't need to do it twice. He did it twice. He did it once. And then he did it again in the presence of most of the tenters which was awesome. He brought them into the press conference room and, and addressed what happened. No one's going to know what was said unless somebody releases it or one of the students tweets it or something, but, and they don't need to know what it's, what was said. Like it was, it's between them. I, what I'm guessing is I'm guessing that's going to light a fire under the crazies. And I'm guessing they're going to come out next time. Duke is at home in full throat because Duke is gone for three straight games. They're not back until next Monday. I'm sure the crazies are going to be, ready to go from there and and all will be forgiven like but it was a total reaction for everyone to talk about k the way they talked about him and everything it, it was it was that was an overreaction is is what we would do that was an overreaction yeah you know we we're not going to have an overreaction segment in this podcast but you're completely correct in talking about the overreaction wasn't even about k's overreaction right you know it, you know like what are we even doing here? And and the funny thing is, I talked to uh, Andrew over at Duke Wave, mm-hmm. uh, who we've had on this podcast, and I asked him prior to that game, what is going on with with the Duke students right now? And to me, and and I could be taking it, and this could be an overreaction, but I think that was a little bit of you know built up emotion on the fact that the crazies haven't been crazy. They're not even right. they're not even allowed to be called the crazies when he doesn't show up. So mm-hmm. I think that was probably built up there, a little pent-up energy. So 
overall look, the Kobe thing was not even 48 hours at that point. Then you have Jeff Capel coming in. Coach K, in his private conversation, we learned, talked about the fact that, the, you know, back in, you know, the mid-90s in, in Capel's senior year, they were chanting against Capel in the student session. So mm-hmm. he had a little bit of, you know, he's, he's defensive. He's defensive, yep. and he's defending his guy. So if the worst thing here is that he was defending his guy, then I'm okay with it. Exactly. Either way, either way to, to kind of finish out the pit segment, uh, it was a good win. We were up 18. We went them back in. I thought we went to stall ball way too quickly. But Patrick Stanley, huge shot. Trey Jones, huge shot. Vernon Carey played fantastic. We moved to Syracuse where Vernon Carey has an unbelievable game. Oh my god. The only thing I want the only thing I want to ask you is I was just completely shocked that Joey Baker didn't even up on the floor. Yeah, that was that was odd. Not exactly sure what's happening with that situation. I don't know if that was a before the game he was like, "Hey, we we need Alex. We need him involved. You are already involved. We know what you can give us. We know how hard you play. I'm giving Alex some time to get his footing under him." That's one theory. Another theory is Joey's having a bad practice or whatever. I I don't buy into that one. The kid works harder than just about anybody on the team. You hear it from a lot of the people we talk to. Nobody works harder than Joey Baker in practice. So I I highly doubt that it's a he had a bad practice scenario. I really think it was you and Alex play the same position. You guys are subbing the same sub. You're not playing on the floor together. I need Alex to be good. And he had some good games against Syracuse. Let's help him get his mojo back. I wouldn't even be surprised if Joey was like, hey, coach, let Alex get some of my time. I, for real, like, I really wouldn't be surprised with that. So I'm, I'm not going to make too much of it. We'll see what happens next game. We have a long road trip. Guys are going to be tired. Guys are going to need time on the floor. So if, if Joey doesn't play again against BC, then then you got to think something's something weird's going on. But I think this is a one-off and moving forward, we see more time for Joey. We see those two split in time. And, and I think we'll see, hopefully, a pretty efficient and pretty confident Alex O'Connell moving forward for a little while at least. We'll see how he can take the momentum from this game. Yeah, no, uh, and, and for all of our listeners, um, we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. So we're doing mm-hmm. that because we have a couple of guests this week and we want to focus on UNC. Um, but to your point, uh, I don't think that I certainly don't think that it was Joey Baker going to the coaches and saying, hey, please let Alex O'Connell play. <laughs> um, but but I do I do believe that there has to be something that we're missing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought that Alex was decent against Syracuse, but I don't think it was anything where, you know, he was so good that we can't play, we can't play Joey. Right. Now, you know, I do want to finish up with, with the Syracuse game. I thought Trey Jones... And, and and very rarely do we mention refereeing in this game, uh, in this podcast, but I thought the refereeing was terrible uh, in this particular. Uh, uh, as Charles Barkley says, terrible. Um, <laughs> I thought I I really thought that we got hosed multiple times when we were making runs. To to kind of uh, use my favorite my favorite quote, it's not your job to keep them in the game. I right. felt like the referees kept them in the game. What was your thought? They they did to a degree, and I mean, it, the fouls are flying around on 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 either side. I think Duke. It seemed I'm a Duke fan, so it, it felt like we earned our fouls more than they earned their fouls. I mean, Wendell was being hugged coming down court when they were right. running that press bait the entire second half, almost. It was it was it was incredible. But I I can't I can't blame the rest fully. We had a lot of boneheaded turnovers. Trey had a really good and a really bad game at the same time, if that's possible. Yeah, I thought he yep. led the team really well. I thought he played good defense. I also thought he made some horrible decisions with passing the ball. Yeah. So I think that kept them in the game as well as the amount of free throws they shot. But the the beauty of it all is we made the free throws that we got. And Trey has now made 15 straight free throws after – after we've you know given it to him on this podcast about his free throw yeah. shooting, he has made 15 straight. Vernon made free throws like a champion yesterday, and truly that's the reason we won the game because otherwise that would have been a loss without those free throws. So if we had shot the way we had been shooting, we don't come away with a win in that game. We shot well. 
we we come away with a really big win in the Carrier Dome. Absolutely. And with that, uh, we talked about the fact that uh, Duke Wave, Andrew Dubanowitz, uh gave me some insight on the Cameron Crazies. Now, let's bring on our first guest of the podcast, a guy that's going to tell us, he's the moderator of Devil's Illustrated. We want to get a, kind of a uh, State of the Union for the Duke fans. Uh, DJ, what are you seeing from not only the message boards, but also, obviously, the Coach K outburst from a few nights ago uh, and the reaction that's had uh, nationwide from our rival fans to ESPN, to our own fans, to the Cameron Crazies when he went in and apologized again the very next day. Give us kind of a, you know, step to the podium and give us your state of the fans for Duke. Boy, that is a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> first off, thanks, thanks for having me again, guys. Always fun to the chat with you. You guys do a great job. Um, Appreciate it. Boy, I, you know, this has kind of been something I think a lot of us have been asking ourselves just for the last couple of weeks. I mean, first of all, the, the Coach K thing, I just, I, I was really shocked when I woke up on, you know, last Wednesday morning and I saw the, what I thought was the overreaction. I thought, Obviously, Coach K thought that the crazies were saying something that they shouldn't have been. He was wrong. He realized he was wrong. He apologized for it. And then he apologized again. So I, mm-hmm. I guess I don't understand the whole blow up beyond that point. You know, K's acknowledged that he made a mistake. So, okay, so that's where we are now. Um, play-wise, um, you know, they're they're struggling a little bit, but I think that that was a little bit, I don't want to say to be expected, but, you know, let, we're looking at, we're still a relatively young team. And I, I think that where this team is at right now, if you go back and you get to rewind to November 1st and you say, okay, they're going to be 17 and three, you're going to be, you know, what, you know, in, in the conference or, or whatever that is, you'd say, that's pretty good. We're, we're in a pretty good spot. I just think mm-hmm. that the losses haven't, look very good. I mean, obviously the, the Stephen F. Austin one, that's, that's one that's just kind of always sticks in your craw. And, you know, the, the Clemson game, I, you know, Adrian, I think you were the one that you, you kind of said that one smelled funny, you know, a couple of days right. before. And, and, and I'll admit that I didn't think that, but, you know, you were right there and, and Louisville's a really good team. And, and Duke just never really was able to get over the hump that game. I mean, how many times did they tie that game in the second half? Right. And then never got a corresponding stop. You know, they never – now, it was a two-point game a couple times where if they make a three, they could have taken the lead. But it was never tied where Duke had a chance to take the lead in that game um, from about the four- or five-minute mark of the first half till the end of the game. So um, I think that there's some encouraging things, but I think that there's there's some alarming things right now when you look at this team. And, you know, I, I, I've talked about it a little bit you know, on the rivals message board and, and just with, with other people that I know. And I, I think the biggest thing we were, we were so excited a month ago because we really had a true nine and 10 man rotation and maybe not nine or 10 guys each and every game, because some games it might be Alex and other games, it might be Joey or one game. It might be jab and giving you a boost. And, you know, the next game it might be Jack, but we, there was just consistency there we're really we got us we're searching for that consistency right now from you know from Joey and Alex and and I think that that's going to be big because one of those guys is going to have to step up and then with the injury to Wendell you know I get frustrated when I see people say well Wendell's going to be the answer you know to all of these problems because you know Wendell was having his own development and his own struggles you know when he was playing now does he give us something that we don't have without him? Definitely. I mean, we just don't have elite level wing athletes like that uh, who can guard multiple positions. He definitely gives you that, but his offensive game for the most part has been pretty raw. Mm -hmm. So I I think you just, what he's missed out on the last month. And I think I said this the other day is I don't expect him to come back and all of a sudden be the answer to all the problems he's missed a month of developmental time. And you guys know for any freshman, unless your name is Zion Williamson or RJ Baird or Marvin Bagley or Jason Tatum, (laughs) 
you don't have that luxury. And, right. you know, he's had to move on. He's, this is a process for him, too. It's been a process for this Duke team. So I think incorporating him back in the lineup could cause, you know, I don't want to say just some minor chemistry issues because now you're doing some things that maybe you weren't doing without him. So, you know, they're in a tough spot right now. And, you know, it's getting better, but they're going through the same process that every other team is in the country. They're learning about themselves every day. And, you know, hopefully now getting Wendell back, and, and getting a little bit of consistency and obviously being on this, this three-game road trip and, and then having Florida State at home right on the other side of it. This is a big stretch for this team, and I think over the course of the next week to 10 days, you're going to learn a lot about this group. Well, I'm glad you brought up the consistency thing, and I'm also glad you mentioned Tatum, Bagley, Zion, RJ, because I almost wonder with with the fans, I mean, there's got to be – I can't even just call it the Zion hangover although I think that's a huge part of it. I think it's the hangover of lack of an exciting player or freshman, lack of consistency, as you put it, because with those guys, even if we lost a game or whatever, there was consistency. We knew who was going to get the ball, how they were going to get the ball, and what they were going to do with it. For a good you know, four years now, five years even, we, we knew what we were going to get, and it's been, it's been that way for so long. Do you guys think that that is something that's contributing to what we're seeing with the fans because this team is something more like the 2000 era, 2000, 2010 era K teams that weren't quite as successful as some of the other teams he's had in the past, but you know, they still played their tails off. They still had great players that ended up becoming great players later. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Cause that's, I'm, I'm starting, that's what I'm kind of seeing with this group is there's no excitement. There's no excitement in the media. There's no excitement with the fans and in the preseason, we kind of talked about that being a good thing maybe for this team because it takes the pressure and heat off. But, I mean, what do you guys feel about that? Well, I, I, think, I think it's a valid point. I mean, you know, I don't know about you guys. And, and again, I'm, so I'm just going to say, you know, from my standpoint, but there have been times, there have been games that I have watched over the course of the last month where I've wondered to myself, how are we going to score? And I don't know <laughs> if you guys have seen that too, where it, it's just – it's been a struggle. And going back to that game against Pitt with Trey, I mean, a lot of people forget, you know, it's a three-point game. And, you know, Kay calls the timeout, and we come out, we run that little pick and roll for Trey. He hits the elbow jumper. We go up five, and the game's over, right? Right. People don't realize that was such a huge shot because we could not score to save our lives, you know, for the for the prior four or five minutes. So I just think that, you know, in the last four or five years, to your point, AC, is we've just we've been able to hand the ball to someone. And, you know, they're not going to score every time. We know that. But we've, we've maybe had a little bit more confidence. You know, we've got mm-hmm. guys like Matthew Hurt. You can see the talent. I mean, that guy can score. And a lot of times when he does score, he scores in bunches. But he's, he's, he's more one of those throwback true freshmen where he's going to struggle a little bit. Teams have figured out this is maybe how we have to approach trying to guard Vernon Carey. So that makes things difficult because your offense isn't allowed to maybe do what you want to do. And, you know, frankly, you know, some of our jump shooters like an Alex, like a Joey, they haven't been there for the last month. You know, they haven't been making those shots. So it just, when you get in those tight situations, it's a little bit nerve wracking for Duke fans, because I think the one thing, it's a little bit of a reversal from years past. We always wondered, how in the hell are we going to stop this team from scoring? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Now we feel good about our defense, but we're on the other end saying, how are we going to score points sometimes? So right. I think it's a little bit, you know, of a reversal of fortune for Duke fans. And we're just not used to that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think that the tough thing for, for me, the tough thing for me personally is that we have such a, a, a cohesive team one that plays so hard and one that I believe really understands that we don't have that Zion, we don't have that Bagley, we don't have that Tatum, that Jabari Parker, somebody we can just throw the ball to and say, go get us a bucket, like we've had in the last five to six years. And so the frustrating thing for me as a fan is watching the lack of excitement uh, from the crazies specifically, because we can see that in front of us um, when they when they don't show up or they they don't have the uh, ingenuity with their cheers that they used to. 
Uh, and the other thing for me is, you know, <laughs> this team plays so hard, and it's the kind of team that, especially on the message boards, a lot of our fans have been crying for for years. And we <laughs> finally yep. have it. And and where's the excitement behind them? And a team that needs you. They like they they need the crazies more than some of the teams in the past that had those lottery pick talents. This is the first mm-hmm. year in however many years consecutive that we had a lottery pick. It's gonna be the first year where we where we most likely do not, unless, you know, to your point, Matthew Hurt, you know, kind of blows up over the last, you know, month and a half of the uh, of the season here. But you know, I don't know. I, I just wish that uh, our fans could, you know, realize this is the team that we've all been clamoring for. And and you know what? It's not just it's not just the crazies, right? It's fans on these message boards too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, what are you it, saying it's there? the same people. It's the same people who are saying, "Boy, I wish the crazies would get into it." And then they're, you know, then the next time you hear from them, you know, they're complaining, "Well, we can't do this. We can't do that. We'll be lucky to get through the first weekend." So, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where. I think most people, if you looked at this and you took a realistic approach to it, you knew that this was going to be a growing process throughout the year. And I think maybe the quick start beating Kansas, you know, uh, going into East Lansing and winning, right? You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to say it gave people false hope, but it maybe made people think that this team was ahead of where they actually were. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I think this team probably was ahead of where we thought they would be in November and December, but I'm not sure. I really think that this isn't kind of right where I thought they would be in January. I mean, I knew there were going to be growing pains um, for this group. I think we all did. Right. I mean, if Mm -hmm. we're being honest with ourselves, we knew there were going to be times where like, what the hell was that? Or how did that happen? And we've seen a few of those, but that doesn't mean we throw up our arms and, you know, that they stink and that they can't do this. It's still a learning process. Let's, right. you know, they're figuring things out and teams are making adjustments to us. Let's, let's give yeah. our coaching staff and let's give, let's give, let's give our guys a chance to make adjustments going forward too. Just because something doesn't work on a random Tuesday night in January doesn't mean that they're not going to figure something out one week, two weeks or a month down the line. Right. That seems to be like a, a fan thing, not you, you forget that your team also does develop. Like everybody pretends like, oh, we're we're never gonna get better now. Like there's nothing we can do at this point to make our team better and everybody else has gotten used to us. It's like, no, we're going we're yeah, running the same race. And AC on that point, there's also and I and I know DJ you feel this way, that you know, just because we don't see it in this next game or, you know, the even the game after that doesn't mean that pay isn't implementing something behind the scenes that he's kind of holding out until they're going to play in the ACC tournament or NCAA tournament. Nah, you know, he's, he just rolls the ball out there, man. You know that. Yeah. You know he just rolls the ball out. Yeah, he just rolls it out. He doesn't adapt. Yeah. We're we're only we're only as good as we are in that moment, right? And that's that's the thing <laughs> exactly. that most fans think. We're we're only as good as what we are right now. And this is this is it. This is this is the ceiling. Or you know, and guess what? Bad games happen. It's just mm-hmm. like you and I, or any of us having bad days at work, or you know, for kids having bad days at school. Bad <laughs> days happen, and you don't make. Sometimes you don't make shots. And how many how many things can you look at? You know, is the '92 team any less dominant? And, and and worse of a team if Christian Leitner misses that shot, no, but they're going to be perceived a lot different, right? Right. If that's no different than 99 or 2004 mm-hmm. and any of those other seasons, you know, that you've got so many good teams on both ends. Duke's playing good teams too, that one or two plays down the stretch in the last three or four minutes is going to completely change your view on how you look at that yeah. game. Um, and then, you know, we're all talking about in 2018, if Duvall gets that steal or if he doesn't <laughs> take the chance or if Maluchinik doesn't make that shot, the story is how did Duke turn it around from being like the 70th ranked defense, you know, at the beginning of February to all yep. of a sudden being a legitimate top 10 to 15 defense, the only team in the country with the Ken Palm top 10 offense and defense, and we're going to the final four. And it's the exactly. greatest story in the world. I thought we don't. I thought we don't improve though. Yeah, Duke, there you Duke, go. Duke is the dude doesn't improve after January. I, I've read that mm-hmm. for the last ten years. We've read that a lot. We're, we're 
if championships were made in November and December, that's when we'd win them, right? <laughs> and I'm glad, again, I'm glad you brought up 04 because I, I think I've wrongfully, because we have a Jones, because we have a guy very similar to Jaleel Okafor, I think I've wrongly compared this team to the 14-15 squad. They really, with the way, with what has happened with the fans, because this same thing happened back then, and the way the team has come off of such a, you know, I mean, pretty much a dominant stretch of, of talent for the team, it really really reminds me of the 0203 team, Red X freshman year, and Sheldon Williams, those guys when they came in with a big freshman class on the heels of the Jason Williams era, the title with Battier, just after the 99 team. You had such a mm-hmm. stretch of just exciting players, and then you had a very young team that was really good but also really young and had a yeah. mix of veteran talent and young guys. This I'm, I wrongfully compared them to the 14-15 when really it's the same, very much the same 10-man rotation we had in 0-2-0-3 with the well, same fan look- unappreciation that we had back then because the crazies had the same issue with sellouts and things back then too. You know, here's a question for both of you. Were we bad against Louisville? Yeah, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. were horrible. We had a chance to win that game. Right. And that's – I mean, we just played awful, and I thought Louisville played really well, and they they made us made us do some things that we weren't comfortable with, and we were still that close. And that's just, mm-hmm. you know, we can play that bad as we did that looked so uninspired for you know the first ten to fifteen minutes, for, you know, through the first three TV timeouts, and still have a chance to win it in the last three or four minutes. I mean, that shows me that this isn't a bad team. We're pretty close, but. There's still those little things and there's that, that you got to get done. And we didn't make a play in the last three minutes against Louisville that we did make against Kansas, so that we did make in some of our other games. That's how close it is. And people just got to be, you know, trust the process. Um, you know, the, the coaching staff's working hard. These kids are working hard. You know, as big of fans as we are, those kids that are wearing those jerseys, those coaches that have invested, you know, their careers – you know, in Duke University, they're taking it a lot worse than we are. Um, yeah. You know, we're just really, really small parts. Of, you know, we get to sit and come on podcasts like this and, and talk about what they need to do and what they should do because we've got all the answers, right? Exactly. Speaking of all the answers, we're going to get you out of here on this. Give me a score. Duke UNC, Saturday night, 6 p.m. DJ, be the profiteer. What do we got? <laughs> I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, I, I think Duke's going to win. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I, I think it's a game in the second half where we're going to be in the lead most of the half, but I think the lead is going to be within a possession or two, you know, kind of in that maybe that one to one to six, one to seven, and I think we'll make some free throws, I hope, at the end. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'd say Duke by Duke by five or six, but I, I think you're seeing UNC's improving too. Um, yep. You know, I, I don't know, you know, when we're doing this, what, what the status is on, on Cole Anthony. I'm assuming he's going to be back in the lineup just because that's the way I think, my pessimistic mm-hmm. nature. I hope he is. I'd like to beat him with him in the lineup. But uh, I think it's going to be an exciting game. And trust me, UNC is going to be ready. It's going to be a huge game for them because they're maybe feeling a little bit of momentum now that if they've got a chance, if they're going to make a run, they've got a tough schedule coming up and they've got some opportunities to get some really, really big wins that are going to be resume builders for them if they want to have a shot at, at sneaking into the NCAA tournament. There we have it. Hey, well, we appreciate you coming awesome. on. Um, I'm sure this won't be the last time that you're on the podcast. I know we have another Duke Carolina game coming up at the end <laughs> of the season. Let's see what the future holds for that. Uh, hopefully our fan base uh, is, is ready to uh, get behind this team, uh, just like you are. DJ, thanks again for coming on, man. Yep, thanks. You guys do a great job, and uh, always a, a pleasure joining you. Thanks, man. All right, thank you, DJ. Appreciate you coming on yet again. Uh, when I see his prediction, but not really a prediction. <laughs> uh, he said that, <laughs> that Duke's going to beat UNC, so I, I hope he's right. We'll get to our predictions at the end. but. I want to touch on something that Dickie J talked about. The state of the fans, and we, we are going to touch on this hair with Kenny coming off, but AC, in your opinion, what can the crazies bring the rest of the season that will get them back 
to being the camera crazies. I mean, it's got it's got to just be an infusion of energy, enthusiasm, and creativity. That's what made the cam- the Cameron crazies what they were. It's pre- it seems pretty cliche and obvious to say those three words involved with them, but that's that's truly what it is. Keep it simple, stupid. The the kiss principle. Just it doesn't have to be off the wall. It doesn't have to be anything insane. They're not gonna be. It's, they're not gonna be the same crazies from the '90s that we remember chanting some of the things they used to chant coining the airball phrase, all the things that used to happen that made them so famous. But the one thing that has stayed true with them is their energy and the volume. And that has been like, and, and also showing up. That's the other part of it. <laughs> Actually just being there is a huge part of that. So I get it. I'm not a student there. I, I understand college life. I get you have tests, you have quizzes. I know that's something we've heard things about there, how late the games are, nine o'clock games, such so much and so forth. But that's never been a problem really before we mentioned it when we talked with Dookie J the last time I remember this happening was that 2003 season after Jason Williams and those guys left it was very similar we had such a a five almost six year run of just incredible basketball on Cameron exciting exciting basketball and now we've come off of almost the same type of run the last five or six years in Duke have been incredible with the amount of freshmen we've brought in and some of those guys. And then to culminate it with Zion and RJ last year, and now you're resetting almost again because you don't have big household names outside of Vernon Carey, which I don't understand at this point how he's not. But you don't have a big, big, exciting player oh, other than Cassius Stanley. So what is the excuse anymore, right? So let's get back on track. This Duke team is doing good really good things this season for this season and let's appreciate them for what they are so state of the union on tuesday let's mm-hmm. give our state of the blue union that's right right now that's right so so honestly that beat tuesday night uh so we're not going to touch on what happens in that game and and hopefully Derek thornton doesn't do to us what he did to Paul mm-hmm. anthony but overall you got to be pretty happy with where we're at you know I personally predicted 15 and five. Mm-hmm. That's where we were going to be, you know, overall in the ACC. And let's be fair, AC, that before this season started, we weren't 100% sure what we were going to be. I have to be honest. I'm I'm blown away at the job that Coach K has done, and 19 and three, potentially 20 and three. Where are we right now in the state of the Union? We are we are ahead of schedule. Yeah, it is. We're absolutely ahead of schedule. If you thought before the season we'd go to Michigan State and beat them, just beat them up. I mean, the score was a lot closer than what that game actually was. It wasn't just a twelve point victory. Yeah, I I wouldn't have believed you. I would have thought if we won, I would have thought it was a close game. And and as it moved forward, we even predicted whether or not they would win Kansas to start the season. Kansas was coming in as one of the prohibitive favorites. We're turning everything over. It's so funny how the rest of the, the country, a coach gets so much credit for, oh, he lost four of his top five scores, blah, blah, blah. Kay has done that every year for like the past 10 years now, having to replace his top five scores every single season. Yet somehow he doesn't get the same credit. He actually gets berated for it or der- there's derision based on the fact that they're one and done talents. And for some reason that it doesn't count for K yeah, it's actually used against him because he doesn't make the final four every season, whatever. So Kansas comes in as, as the senior juggernauts and, you know, we go to New York and we beat them and this team has shown toughness all season long. So to think that we'd be in this position with only three losses and two of those in the ACC prior to this season, I don't, I don't know that anyone, anyone would have believed that. And they definitely would have taken that, at the time, if you told them that, and now we're in it and fans somehow are, are, are unsatisfied with it. But you know what? This team has been, they've been excellent. They've come together so well. The camaraderie is, is really there. And, and what is such a young team it's with some of the older guys, a lot of times in those situations, there's jealousy issues, things like that. I haven't seen if, if there is any, they haven't shown it. They've done such a great job of, of mixing and meshing this team together. And, oh yeah, by the way, K only plays six guys every season, right? We're playing 10. So all of, all of these things are opposite of what anyone expects from Coach K. 
and it has been such a wild ride for for us this season with Duke. Yeah, you know, we joked about it with Duke J, um, how Duke, quote unquote, doesn't improve after January. <laughs> he, you know, Coach K, to your point, has evolved as the season's gone. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> whether it, whether it is playing ten guys, whether it is uh, changing defenses, uh, changing his offense around, he's done every single thing that fans have been clamoring him to do since the end of last year. Uh, you know, I know that you specifically talked about that you wish that Kay had at least implemented or evolved some sort of different offensive strategy other than give the ball to Zion, give the ball to RJ. Um, this year, he's done that. He's gone, he's gone to multiple different sets. He's gone to multi- multiple different lineups. He's done so mm-hmm. many different things. Um, and I want to finish out the State of the Blue Union here with a question that you're not prepared for, but <laughs> I, I just can't help but think of my two favorite players so far this year. So I'm going to give you a chance to think of your two favorite players so far this Ooh. season. For me, my two favorite players, one, Tasha Stanley, because mm-hmm. I did not expect Tasha Stanley to be this good. He has been fantastic this season. He is exactly what we needed. And you talked about a guy that, you know, we we don't have that guy that, that brings us to flash. Cash family is that guy. And mm-hmm. the fans need to embrace that because we're only going to have him for one year. Yep. You know, the, uh, he's exactly what the fans needed after Zion Williamson because you're never going to get another sure. Zion. But we needed Cash family because the electricity that he brings with all of his dunks. And then the second guy for me is Jack White. You know, Jack White mm. famously had such a, a tough year. Uh, after, I mean, pretty much actually started with the Syracuse game at home that uh, unfortunately I was a part of when he went over 10, couldn't right. make a shot, and then really didn't make a shot the rest of the season. Jack White has been absolutely fantastic. He's been a great blue guy. He's been a guy that has made timely shots, big shots. He does every little thing on the floor, and I'm so happy that Jack White, for him and for us, <laughs> that he has rebounded the way he was, no pun intended. AC, who are your two guys that you will pick? Uh, God, do I have to just pick two? Come on, man. <laughs> That's it's right. You, you totally, it's you totally caught me off guard here. No, it's every, the, the beauty of this team, and the one thing I've loved about this team is everyone has done something to contribute in a win this season, which has justified K using 10 guys on the floor at times, which... I love that. I love, I love that so much. You can't necessarily say that every year. And and these guys are getting time in ACC-type games, big games, not just games against Central Arkansas, not just blowouts. Like These guys are getting minutes in good games. So everyone is, has contributed something. Number, number two for me has got to be Jordan Goldwire for many, many, many reasons. Number one, it is just the fact that that kid is so tough, has not given up, has not accepted his role as maybe one day as a senior, you'll get some playing time. He has forced himself onto the floor. He has changed the narrative of Coach K doesn't develop those two and three star type prospects anymore. He can only coach one and dones. He's killed that narrative. He's he's come in and become has to be the best backup point guard in the nation in college. I can't I can't name another player in college who's a better backup point guard than Jordan Goldwire. One of the best defenders in college, period. And now he's starting to show a little bit of life on offense in terms of being able to at least hit an open shot and keep the defense from totally triple teaming Vernon Carey down low the entire time. And segue that into my other favorite player has to be Vernon Carey. I mean, the guy is, he is the most important player in the nation. We've seen it now the past couple of games. He's unstoppable right now in college basketball. And the fact that somehow he's still being toted as a guy who can't for some reason he can't be an NBA prospect I don't understand this logic I think the hate that is is being put on to Vernon Carey is very similar to what they would say sometimes about RJ Barrett last year and I think that's what's drawing me to him a little more like I I still don't understand how he's like the 25th ranked NBA prospect I don't get it I he it's he's unfairly being put into a box of other kind of lumbering looking big men the guy can shoot. He can drive the basketball. He runs the floor really, really well for a guy his size. 
and he's totally dominant. Every rebound he grabs, if his hands are on it, it's his board. Nobody else is getting it. You tell me that guy can't play in the NBA somewhere, you are kidding yourself. I love Vernon Carey. I hope that people keep hating on him so that he can just keep doing what he's doing. And it, it, it's just he's he is the reason why we will make it into the Final Four this year because nobody else in college basketball outside of maybe Iowa with Garza has a big man like him that can just dominate on the glass and dominate on the offensive side of the ball the way he does. Yeah, you're absolutely right. 26.17 rebounds against Syracuse. That guy, you know, he did the same thing against Pitt. He mm-hmm. commanded, and he played 35 minutes against Pitt. So let's not right. forget about, forget about right. that. Like, he's starting to show right now that he can handle those minutes, and mm-hmm. when a big game shows up, he's there. He is ready for the spotlight. And you're absolutely correct that he does not get nearly the credit that he deserves. And, and really he's, he's getting put into the Jaleel Okafor box for some reason. Yeah. They're, two, they're totally different players. They honestly are. Like, yeah, sure, it looks the same when you see him doing drop steps in the lane and stuff. But Jaleel couldn't finish against triple teams the way he does. Jaleel was awesome, don't get me wrong, but he didn't rebound the way Vernon does. And he doesn't handle the ball or shoot the way Vernon does right now. If get Vernon with an NBA coach, the dude's going to be an animal in the league. We're, we're also asking much more of him. Uh, mm-hmm. Jaleel, first of all, I'm not going to mention, Jaleel should have been the player of the year. I know Frank Kaminsky ended up getting it, but he should have been the player of the year. So Absolutely. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of air that we're talking about for right. Vernon Carey. You know, Vernon Carey, I haven't seen anyone in the ACC that at this point in the state of the Blue Union should be the ACC player of the year over Vernon Carey. Not one. Nobody. There's nobody. Like there's nobody and and the competition for national player of the year is only about three or four deep. So we'll see how it continues. Regardless of any of those individual accolades, nobody is ceiling nobody's ceiling is higher than Dukes with Vernon Carey on the roster on the floor. There's nobody. Like people can I, talk I, I, Isaiah Stewart all they want. Washington may make the tournament. They can talk Garza <laughs> all they want with Iowa. They might sneak into the tournament. Duke is firmly in the tournament, probably a one seed, and more than likely heading to the title game. All right, so we have UNC Saturday night, 6 p.m., and who better than a guy that has actually played in that game? Let's bring him on the podcast for the second time, Kenny Denard. Uh, My pleasure, and if I hack a little bit, I apologize. I've been fighting a little flu and strep at the same time, but you got to play who to pay that's you right you're play playing hurt. hurt for us <laughs> you gotta play hurt during carolina week that's that's all i know and and speaking right. and speaking of which um i want to do a little plug for for your now famous website gthcgth.com kenny tell us about the site and where where can we get all the phenomenal go to hell carolina gear well, you can go to GTHC, GTH.com, and there's a store button on there, and there's lots of different uh, shirts and hats and thing, foam fingers and, you know, car flags and all kinds of stuff. But how it came about is probably the, the more interesting part because uh, a buddy of mine who I've known for about 10 years, he was at Duke 10 years after me, but we met in 2010. I went to his place in 2011 in L.A. To, to go see him after we got to know each other and had so much in common. Anyway, he had a license tag, California license tag, GTHC, GTH. And I went, hey, man, how'd you get that? He goes, well, you got to talk to your DMV and probably have to lie because they don't like <laughs> to have – they don't like to have, you know, uh, things that are defamatory or whatever. I said, well, okay, good. He told me what his was, but it, you know, it was, it was nonsensical. But so anyway, I, I, said, I applied for mine and they asked me what it meant. And I went, it's a Dr. Seuss thing. Get that hat, cat, get that hat. You know, <laughs> so I got, I got the license tag in, in, in 2011. And then a couple, like, you know, a bunch of my friends, I posted it on social media, friends saw it, whatever. We had a bunch of friends and, and other Dukies who probably had 20 states around the country that did it. It was like a little club. And then some guy, this really got, cool guy, called me up and I don't know, a couple of years ago, and he said, hey, K, 
Kenny, I was just hearing you on a podcast or, you know, on the DBR or whatever. It said, it's a pretty good story. I mean, tell me more about your license tag. I told him. I said, he goes, well, I write for the Wall Street Journal. I do sports, and I typically cover the big financial stories. Like, And Andrew Beaton, really cool guy, really neat guy, uh, Duke grad. He said, I think this might make the paper. I said, you got to be kidding me. There's no way this story. So anyway, we talked about it. He called some other people. He called some DMVs. And sure enough, the day before Grayson Allen's senior game against Carolina a couple years ago, <laughs> It shows up on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, you know. That's and who would have ever thought that's right. of the Wall Street Journal? Who would have ever thought that, right? <laughs> the, the bottom fold. I uh, got a lot of buzz out of that. We were, I was at Duke that weekend for that game, and everybody's going, "Hey, do you have hats? Do you have shirts and stuff?" I said, "Well, let me check into it." So, my buddy who originally gave me the idea and I partnered up, and we we did a trademark search, and nobody had it. So we applied for it, and we received the copy, you know, the uh, registered trademark takes about 18 months or so to get it, but we did the TM right away and started planning. And in January last year, about a month, about a year ago, January, we opened up the website and it's, it's just been a lot of fun, you know, because it's, <laughs> it, I mean, my Carolina friends, they all come back. At, I've got a ton of Carolina friends. I'm, I'm, I really, I don't hate Carolina people. You know, it's just part <laughs> of the, it's like, part of the the thing it's part of the competition right. it's it's and i mean you know phil ford was one of my best friends forever mm-hmm. we played together in kansas city but when we played each other it was war anyway right so uh, uh it's been going pretty well it's an emotional brand i mean we did really well for that from january up to the the game and that zion blew out his shoe and we got beat by 18 points mm-hmm. and we, we didn't have anybody visit the site for three or four days and didn't have an order for two weeks because you're not going to go buy right. that kind of stuff if you can't pound your chest. So <laughs> uh, it's been so so winning definitely helps the uh, it helps it helps move the product for sure. Right, and it's really cyclical. We don't advertise; we just do word of mouth and right. Facebook posts or stuff like that. I mean, we haven't lost. We we've kept our day jobs. This is more of a <laughs> hobby and fun. But it's also, we've got some great pictures. If you go to the site, you can go to the gallery and see all the people that bought it and sent pictures in. It's just fun. And, it, you know, we, 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 uh, we're getting ready to announce a sticker that has the gothic text, like they oh, have nice. on the shirt. Oh, wow. So nice. we're going to have it. But the sticker will be like a bumper sticker, and you get one free when you order. But we're waiting for them to get in. They'll probably be up next week or something. So that, People in the last between the Carolina games, you know, this one up at Chapel Hill next week right. or this week coming up since we're now, you know, it'll be available and we'll see. But again, we're not trying to make any money. We haven't made any money. We're just having fun. Well, you have the Gothic text. So go ahead and take go ahead and take my money now. <laughs> you, can, you can have it. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> we yeah we well, noticed. It. I, I gotta I gotta reduce inventory some before I can order a bunch more shirts because we we've, we've <laughs> stocked up pretty good with the original. Right. And again, like I said, we're not we're not out there trying to be Kmart or Walmart or or Amazon. We're just having some fun with it with Duke fans. For sure. And we noticed on the on the site, it's very distracting in in your gallery. You have you know we see you have Kim uh, Ken Jong on there. He's a, a famous Duke alum. But then you also have. Martha Hunt, it's very hard to go shopping on your site when you have her on the front page. It's very difficult. <laughs> well, both of them. Like, I got this picture from Martha at the at she wore the hat for me when we were at uh, Madison Square Garden when Duke played Texas Tech uh, in mm-hmm. December. Uh, and she's so sweet. She's a big Duke fan, big Zion fan. Kim, Kim Jong, uh, we got to know each other years ago when uh, somebody's that owned a bar and um, Beverly Hills put my jersey up, retired it in their bar. It was a sports, awesome. sports bar, and then so Ken walks in and goes, "Hey, who, that's I know he grew up in Burlington or somewhere around, right? And and uh, in high school, he, you know, he looked up to our team in '78 and '79 when when he was a kid. So we talked on the phone a couple of times, and we've always tried to hook up. But uh, I finally met him at the Duke Carolina game the one that we had uh, that Grayson's uh, final game, uh, right. senior game. And so we got that picture. So uh, he's, he's just great and amazing how, how big he's gotten and how funny and just, just down to earth those guys are. So 
it's fun to do. It's just something to do. And I, if, you know, it's, it's, uh, it just makes, you know, I'm 62 this year. So the older I get, the better I was. And, and that's kind of how much fun it is. That's awesome. So now, so, you know, we have the site, everybody go, go to, go to the site, GTHC, GTH.com, please. Like I said, you can take my money. Yeah, you know, you're you're gonna get it. That's for sure. Yeah. But if anybody wanna... orders from now on, I'll send you a sticker as soon as I get them. That's awesome. Yeah, yes, that's awesome. So, one thing that's always I've I've always wanted to do is talk to former players, former coaches about you know their their role in the rivalry and how they felt within it. Give us one of your, like your favorite moment as a player, and you know in the storied rivalry. As at your time at Duke, and like your favorite moment, and like your your feelings going into into that and into the games that you played, please, because you know I want to get that sure. input. Sure. No, I, I like to get. You know, I'm a history major at Duke, and the uh, history of this rivalry is amazing. If you do go on the site, there's a history page mm-hmm. that talks about when um, Washington Duke died. His last words on his deathbed, or from the family passed on and passed on, is "Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell." <laughs> so, uh, being fortunate enough to get to go to Duke, I mean, I was recruited by Carolina and a bunch of other people, being a North Carolina kid, so going to Duke and being able to play, I wound up, me and Gene Banks, and a guy named Al Wood, who's a great player mm-hmm. in Carolina, the three of us have the most games. We all played 14 Duke-Carolina rivalry games. That's the That's most awesome. of all, Yeah. That'll never happen again because we no. used to have the big board tournament back in the right, old days. Yep. We had a, and we'd play each other twice during the regular season, and then sometimes we'd play each other in the ACC tournament. So we did 14 times. So it was three, four, two years we played four times, and two years we played three times. So mm-hmm. that'll never happen again. So, yep. uh, and I was fortunate enough to start in those games, which one of those other two guys did. So, Historically, I had the most uh, experience in the Duke-Carolina rivalry, but my favorite moment of all was our senior game when we were uh, we were definitely not supposed to win, and they came in and uh, with James Worthy and uh, yep. uh, the whole crew, uh, Sam Perkins, really good team. They actually made it to the national championship that year, and Gene hit this shot to put us into overtime, and we won in overtime with Gene making the bucket. It was just a glorious, glorious day. So that, yeah, <clears throat> that's my most favorite of all time. Did you know, did you know he was going to hand the roses out to the, uh, to the students? Before no, he did I it? did not. No, <laughs> I did not. Gene, Gene came up with stuff. Gene was a showman way before showmen were, he was really, uh, he was really amazing. He still is, but, uh, he was, he was out there and, he played his heart. He was LeBron. He was before LeBron. You know, he was right. the best player that, you know, him and Albert King were the best and coming out of high school and he played all four years at Duke and probably should have gone pro after sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, but he stayed, he loved college and Gene's just a great guy. And, uh, we used, we just recently shot uh, some film footage for a production company out of New York that's uh, doing a documentary on that 78 team. So it, oh, wow. it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we were before cable. So, you know, obviously right. Coach K has taken, taken the program to great heights. But, you know, we're kind of the founding fathers of Duke basketball in the color TV era because, right. uh, you know, there's a lot of history made with our team as far as firsts. And you, have the, uh, you have the first reverse dunk on national television. That's true. That's true. And we had the first, you know, the ACC tournament, the first ACC tournament, the championship game in 1978 was on national TV for the very first time. Oddly enough, it was on ABC Wild World of Sports. So it was a lot of fun. It was just great. We kind of hit this, we hit the scene and we stayed in the top 10 for, for three years. But that senior year, we had a lot of great battles with Carolina uh, throughout the years. Uh, those 14 games and you know they they uh it was always great but prior to that prior to gene and i getting there duke hadn't beaten carolina in several years in many years mm. and mm-hmm. so duke had hit a slump you know been last place for the four years 
before Gina and I got there, and they had lost the first game in the ACC tournament every year for four straight years. So it was really a zero to 60 in two nanoseconds for 78 team to kind of come on the scene. And then we just had a lot of fun with it. You know, we worked hard and we played hard. We were a fun team. And uh, our personalities were were perfect for that era. You know, it was disco, you know, kind of going from disco <laughs> into – I mean, it was just a different time. You know, hip. we had Sugar Hill Gang with the hip-hop, the hippity-hippity, the hop-hop-hop, the gold hop thing. <laughs> I mean, it was just a fun – it was a fun time to be alive. There wasn't any sexual diseases. There was kind of the end <laughs> of the sexual revolution. So – we had a blast, and we right. we played hard, and you know we 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 did we did good things. We uh, did a lot of you know we go to the hospital and visit kids, and we never advertise it. I mean things that today everybody gets a photo op when they go visit right. the kids at the hospital. We we didn't we went and nobody we didn't bring cameras along. We just went mm-hmm. to, to see the kids and tell them we loved them and get better soon and all that stuff. So it was before the age of marketing the brand. You know, it was more of more of uh, we just came in and we're kids having fun. We had a good team and we played hard and our coaches knew what to do with us. And then our senior year was Coach K's first year, which was, you know, a transition for the program and the recruiting. You know, they didn't really get a recruit in that year. So we we struggled through. But, uh, you know, he did okay after a couple of years of getting his team together and, you know, I guess he's made a pretty good name for himself. It's <laughs> been pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, just, just, just a little bit. And and honestly, I got to be honest, I, I'm not sure that my heart could take as a fan uh, a four Duke UNC games. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're, they're put so closely together uh, in the schedule now that, you know, I feel like once the first one comes, all you can look toward is the calendar for the next one, no matter what happens. And then if you play them in the ACC tournament my blood pressure is just so high and then heaven forbid if it, <laughs> heaven forbid if it ever happened in the ncaa tournament i, I hope it never happens that. i really don't not I never no, it, never, it never has no but i yeah. thought that would be great it would be i thought maybe last year we'd get a chance but i thought yeah, that I did before, too. But, uh, you know that's I, that's one of those things that when it does happen hopefully it'll who knows what this year will bring that's the thing about college basketball which is different than the pros in my opinion is you never know Right. I mean, it's a one and done. It's one and out in the tournament, and you know, uh, the you don't have to be the best team or the best have the best players to win in the tournament. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to play good then, and it's it's just exciting, and you never know what's going to happen. You never do, uh, and and so we want to kind of turn it to that. You know, post career, what is your favorite? If you can pinpoint one, what is your favorite Duke Carolina memory after you graduated? Well, probably uh, there was one game. I go to all the games at, at home, the Duke mm-hmm. Carolina home games. I've been to a couple at the Dean Dome. But I would say there was one year that it was so loud that Raymond Felton was dribbling around. We were up one point. Mm-hmm. They had the mm-hmm. ball with like 12 seconds to go. And he was dribbling around, and it was so loud that you could not even think. It was just <laughs> amazingly loud. And he was dribbling around. The horn went off. Nobody could hear it because it was just so, I mean, it was paralyzing yeah. how loud it was. And they didn't even get off a shot. Yeah, but that was the 05 game, was. right? Yeah. I yeah. don't remember what year, but it was an yeah, amazing J. J. to be there. I, I get goosebumps now just talking about it. That's the most exhilarating moment other than the, the, the game with Gene that I remember uh, seeing. Yeah, and I remember uh, specifically that time out where J.J. Reddick told Coach K, hey, I know what play is coming, um, and he was able to shield off McCants, if I believe correctly, uh, and then Felton had nowhere to go with the ball, right? And yeah, Connor just dribbled it, it out. Ends up with it in the yeah. corner. You know, the fog of war has me to where the emotional state and the, the feeling of the, the noise and everything, is the imagery is almost being in a – a war zone of noise where mm-hmm. you know they just and they were stifled they were stymied you know the noise just stifled them right and they didn't even you know the ball just dribbled around and then it was over and they looked up and it's zero zero and they're blowing the whistles game's over <laughs> and they didn't even get a shot off so yeah that was that was pretty exciting i love i love hearing that from you because you know watching i, I didn't have yeah I, I wasn't able to see it live watching it on television that it that did not translate 
you, no, you could no, see that no. there was confusion. You could see everything else, but it didn't translate how actually how loud it was in that building at that time. And neither did – I mean, I didn't realize the horn had gone off either. That's how much yeah. you were – I mean, if you if for those that have been lucky enough to go to Cameron or be there for a Carolina game, you know it's always loud. I mean, last mm-hmm. year was a, a kind of an anomaly because it was it was really loud in, for 33 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but, uh, but Grayson's game, you know, Grayson's last game was the one the mm-hmm. year before that. That was real. Those are usually the loudest, most uh, interesting games to uh, to be at, but. You know, yeah. like I was at Louisville game this year, and it was loud. I mean, yeah. you know, we lost, but it, you know, it was mm-hmm. really loud. That was really a, a, a people got up for that game. Uh, I'm still, you know, this is just a sidebar, and for people taking what it's worth, with the Louisville game, I went to the uh, the they played uh, who did play the next game? Miami. Miami, and the both games though the, the student sections weren't full. They had to fill them up with people from standing outside and waiting in line the students yeah that's, fill it up. that's I'm, been the I, past that's, few games yeah and it's really disturbing i don't know what's going on but uh you know they need to they need to do some more screening when they allow these kids in the duke they need to make sure they they, <laughs> they, they i mean it's just anyway that's just a side yeah i, I yeah, Kenny, i saw i saw your retweet um about the uh the, the person that kind of sent that note into the Duke Chronicle. Uh, and I, I mm-hmm. couldn't have liked it fast enough, but you're right. And I think we should bring you back on um, to talk about that specific topic because it's, it's something that's grinded my gears. But, you know, with this being Carolina week, uh, I want to, I do want to ask you for your prediction for this Saturday's game at UNC. You know, Cole Anthony should be back. It should be a great matchup between him and Trey Jones. If that's the case, what do you see happening in this game? Well, you know, it's hard to make a prediction because I've been in games where we were not as good as Carolina. Mm-hmm. I've been in games where we were we were as good or maybe even better. You never know what's going to happen in these games. That's the wise, the rivalry it is. Right. Uh, I, I think we're going to win. I think uh, Cole Anthony is going to have a lot of rust if he does play. But I think, the rotation that Coach K is working with his 10 guys right now is exciting for me. It's nice to see him have this much uh, ability for utility tools as opposed to having six guys and wearing them out, you know, at right. the end of the year. So I'm I'm thinking that if, you know, everybody keeps a good rotation and that we shouldn't have a real, real difficult um game but again it's duke carolina they, they could surprise yeah. you they could come this is their season if they beat duke that's true yeah. that's very true yeah because they, they gotta never, find I some would, ground I would, I would never do a point spread or a prediction of points but i think that if we do what if what we can do as far as playing uh then i don't think these kids i think these come some of these kids have won at carolina so uh it's not like it's a big boogie bear place no, it's Got a it. wine and cheese crowd. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I happen to like wine, but not during a basketball game. Um, Kenny, uh, I, I really appreciate – we really appreciate you coming Absolutely. on. Um, we got to do this again, and I do want to get your take on, on the Cameron Crazies. I think that's an entire podcast for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hey, get yourself well. Get that throat going. Get, get, get right. a, you know, as many medications he, as he can so that you're ready to scream Saturday night <laughs> against Carolina. Exactly. Well, thank you for having me. I'll be happy to come on anytime. Thank Thank you so much, Ken. All right, man. And with that, thank you very much for Kenny coming on for in front of the podcast and and, and kind of as we alluded to at the very end, we have to bring Kenny on again to talk about the payment crazies. But this is Duke UNC with AC. Here we go, Rich. Well, here we go. Uh, I'm pumped. I know you're pumped. I think we're going to get together on Saturday, watch this game, so we can give our live feedback on what is going on in this game. Cole Anthony is back. Obviously, Derek Thornton had no problem with Cole Anthony, but (laughs) what do you see happening in this one? It's This fits our mold. UNC doesn't spread the floor. They're not a great shooting team. This Duke team defends that really well. A guy like Javin is going to have a good game, probably because they have two post players down low. We've seen this all season. 
any team that throws multiple posts down low limits how many ball handlers they have on the floor, limits their ability to be versatile, and therefore that plays right into the hands of what we do really well as a defensive unit. So I fully expect a lot of Trey Jones and Jordan Goldwire on Cole Anthony. Everyone else is going to fill in nicely. We have Wendell back. I see no problem in this game for us. I really don't. I, I, I know the, the narrative. Even if a team is bad, they show up in this rivalry. They do, but we've seen 82 to 50. So I, I really expect something very similar to that. This is a bad UNC team. They just are, and yeah. we're a really good Duke team. Yeah, you know, the thing is that, you know, when Duke and UNC match up, you throw everything out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're obviously the much better team, but they're playing at home. And it's Duke UNC. And so your head tells you that Anthony is going to come out here and he's going to drop 40. Because he's going to be jacked up for this game. And, you know, he's been waiting, clamoring to get back on the court. However, Jordan Goldwire and Trey Jones shut down every backcourt that they have played. And I expect a effort where Cole Anthony will shoot, you know, 9 of 30 in this game. Right. So... While you can't really assume what's going to happen because it is Duke UNC, unless something that that I'm just not prepared for, I think Duke goes in there, they kind of get through that first TV timeout, settle the the crowd down, and blow them out. So I'm going to predict a blowout, AC. I'm going to go with 84 to 68. I think we manhandle UNC. I think you're right. And I think you're exactly right about what's going to happen to start this game because our our team in general has not since really since December, we haven't started games particularly well. So I hope to see that change a little bit. But again, Brandon Robinson's probably going to be out after the injury he had at the end of the BC game. Their, their ball handlers are going to be null and void outside of Cole Anthony. Like you said, this team is going to force him into a lot of shots, a lot of bad shots, and he's not going to hit them. I mean, worst defenders have made Cole Anthony look normal now, so I'm I'm not concerned. Blowout, you said 84-68. I'm going to go one better. I'm going to give you 88-60. to 60. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking almost – I'm thinking 30 points, man. Like, this team is going to – we're going to blow him out of the water. Let's go. Let's go. It is <laughs> I'm jacked I'm ready, up. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. NC, let's go. Go to hell, Carolina, go to hell. That's right, go to hell, Carolina, go to hell. Go to hell, Carolina, go to hell. Go to hell, Carolina, go to hell.